You're listening to a Calvary and Adults podcast, the ministry out of Calvary Baptist Church in Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. Calvary and Adults is a midweek worship service gathering of those in the Durham region who are between the ages of 18 and 30. We love the Lord, proclaim His Word, and celebrate His goodness. This podcast series is the sermons from Thursday evenings. In today's podcast, Pastor Nick Doyle continues the series, Look Up and Live, Making Life Adjustments from a Culture to Kingdom Focus. This week, we'll be opening God's Word to learn about purpose. Let's listen now to Pastor Nick's sermon, Draft, How God Calls the Church to Kingdom Action. God loving you so very much right now. In this season, God, we should love you in every season, but it just seems as we grow closer to you, Lord, you just, you're just more awesome. You're just more awesome to us. So God, I pray tonight that your awesomeness would just shine, that we would be uh, able to just be honest with you, with our lives and with our hearts and our minds, and knowing that you're a good, good father that is, is inviting us into your presence so that we can learn from the master. So God, we pray that you would draw us in tonight. I pray that you would help us to repent of our sin, that you would, uh, that you would show us grace and that we would claim that grace and mercy. Even if it's been a hard day, things can still change because of what you have said to us. So, Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do. In your name I pray. Amen. Okay, so week one, as you can see on the screen, we talked about uh, look up and live. We are to look up. We are to look within. We are to look around for all the good we can do. And I hope that you're maximizing that. I'm using the word maximize tonight a lot. Uh, But looking for all those options that you can do as much good as you can to those who are around you, so looking around, looking down, coming before the throne of God with a heart of repentance, knowing that that we do mess up, but there is grace and mercy and forgiveness available for us so that we're taking advantage of that, and then living in the 66, so looking in, making sure that the counsel, the full counsel of God's word is what what is guiding your decisions and helping you to make decisions in, in these difficult seasons. So that was week one. Last week, we talked about Go, go lead, stay, and obey. No, go stay, lead, and obey. Go stay, lead, obey. Go away from the things that are burning your witness and uh, leaving deep scars. Stay close to the things that are growing you up in Christ. Um, start to look for opportunities to lead, starting with your family, uh, your workplace, and then your church. And then what do you need to do to obey the Lord? Of, uh, to obey the Lord. What are those things that God is really pressing on your heart to really turn from and turn to in obedience? And tonight we're going to be calling, or we're going to be talking about how a, how God calls a church to kingdom action. And and tonight, as we are gathering, we're the church. We are called out ones, called out of darkness into marvelous light, gathering in the name of Jesus Christ. We have salvation, so we are the church. Um, but when I'm speaking, even though I'm talking to the church, to the, the people of God, the ecclesia, I'm also talking to the individual person at the same time. So if you consider yourself a part of the family of God, if you can make that decision right now, or you've made that decision in the past, but you're coming in here and you're saying, hey, I'm a part of the family of God, then you're a part of something called the global Catholic church. So this is the small c Catholic church of Jesus Christ. You're considered to be part of the bride of Christ, so you are in a, a, a communion or a covenant with Christ. You will be presented to Christ in the new Jerusalem that is to come. You will experience eternal life. Our, our lives, though they seem long and our weeks and days seem long, our lives are actually just a, a blink. They're small and eternity is long and what we do now matters forever. So it's, it's important for us to make sure that we are, we're talking about those things. 
You will, in the, if you are part of the church, you will experience full healing and the great joys of seeing and experiencing God in a new and tangible way when eternity comes. Revelation 21.5, it's been a life first for me in this little season that I'm in, uh, says this, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, so creation happening, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful bride, dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. He who is seated on the throne is saying, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I love that. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty, if if this is you, he's speaking to you. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. We have so much to look forward to in the new heaven and the new earth that is promised to the believer. I don't know if you're thinking about heaven. I don't know if you're thinking about eternity. I don't know if you're thinking about what it's going to be like to live with God, but it's a beautiful thing. We have so much to look forward to. Like we learned last week, we are called to live in expectation of what is to come and what will be. But how do you live like that? How do you live in such a way knowing what is coming? Since we live in a broken and hurtful world that weekly seems to sweep new and, and, and growing Christians away due to improper understanding of their own personal calling with the Lord, their purpose, and their misplaced identity. So as we gather tonight, we're going to look in God's word and see how he calls the church a collection of believers to kingdom action. Because I love that. God not only saves us, but he gives us opportunity to work with him and for him. Each of us, like we learned last week, are part of the body. We are all gifted. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. We are all given purpose and identity. We are all, all important to God. And Matthew led us through a devotion. This is not part of my sermon time, but Matthew led us through this great devotion tonight with the R20 team talking about everything that we do, we need to make sure that we're not trying to promote ourselves. If someone gets the credit for something and you've done the work, if it's bringing glory to God, let it be. Just let it be. The first thing we need to look at and understand as we jump into this topic is how our, our identity is established. So the first thing a believer needs to do is understand their established identity. Who am I? See, the culture shares that you can be anything you want to be. You decide what that looks like, and if you don't see something in the culture, you can actually just create it. Culture teaches that you can create and define any type of identity you want based on your own interpretation of things or just how you feel. This type of culture liberty is actually causing great confusion in the world because as we all know things change our feelings change our culture changes 
and you personally change. If you create or associate yourself with an identity or a feeling in one season of your life, you might not feel the same way in another season of your life. And you may want to abandon previously thought of perceived ideas or identities that you have made up or associated yourself with. If your feelings, if your feelings do change and you want to associate yourself with something else, sometimes these identities that are made up in culture, um, they'll attack you. They will come against you. You are known as a, a fraud or a faker, and you're actually hated by the other uh, people that are supposed to have included you in the beginning. So many people even today wander the streets of, of this broken world, lost and without a proper identity or purpose. But for the believer, it's different. But for us in God's people, in, God, in God's kingdom, it is different because God helps us to understand that we have been given our identity. We don't have to make it up. So let me impact the promises of God for his people who are the redeemed. So if you consider yourself redeemed, if you consider yourself a part of the elect, if you consider yourself possessing salvation, these are some promises for you. We are marked with the image of God. God planned us. The word of God says this, so God created mankind in his own image. The image of God, he, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We don't have to associate or make up or try to figure out something uh, when it comes to people inside the kingdom of, of Christ because God has identified, he has planned us out. We are not a mistake, even so some, sometimes our, our family members can say, you were a mistake or uh, sometimes even hurtful things like, I wish you weren't born. But God never wishes that on us because we are planned in his kingdom. We are set apart. We have purpose. We are set apart to be used by the, for the kingdom. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Could you imagine that? I have some friends right now whose wives are pregnant, and uh, they're just loving the moments of seeing the belly grow and the, the moments of gathering with the ultrasound and seeing the pictures and looking at an app and seeing what how big their baby is, uh, just, just a glorious season that they're in. But how more amazing is it to know that God knows everything even before the baby was in that belly? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I anointed you as a prophet to the nations. So he's speaking directly to Jeremiah in Jer Jeremiah's life. But the concept is true for us too. God knew us in the womb. He knew the plans, he knew the actions, he knew the, the hurts, the heartache and the failure. He knew the victories, he knew the joy that we would experience because he is sovereign and he is God. We have a specific plans for our lives. Ephesians 1.5 says that he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure, his good pleasure and his will. For those of us who are inside the kingdom of God, we've been brought in, adopted. What a great understanding uh, or a great moment that is for us, that we are not alone. It, some of us have come from hard families. Some of us never had good relationships with our fathers. Some of us don't trust men. And the Bible teaches that in the kingdom of God, we've been adopted. We are sons and daughters of the Most High, meaning that the good, good father not only cares, but he listens and he comforts. That's the type of God that we have. Knowing that, we can come to God like a dad. 
like a real dad, and come close to him and say, these are my fears, these are my heartaches, these are my dreams, and he will help us. We, Ephesians, he has specific plans for our lives. Next promise we have is that we are family. John 1.12, it says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, so the adoption, and we are a part of something bigger. Inside the family of God, we are brothers and sisters. We don't have to look at each other with envious looks. We don't have to cut each other down. We can be happy for others who sit across from us or in front of us. We can actually cheer them on, and we should. If you see a brother or sister who is doing well in life, doing well in, in a season, growing in grace, knowing and understanding the will of God, don't be jealous for that person. Tell them, amen. Run your race. Run it well. How can I support you? We are part of something bigger. We are part of a family. Another promise that we can look forward to as believers is that we have been set free. We are not prisoners. Romans 6, 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Like a lot of us inside the church, even still today, we, we come in, and maybe you came in tonight, and you brought your chains with you. You brought those things that you're just shackled to and that you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm attached to this now. Well, I want to give you some news. In Jesus Christ, those shackles will fall. He can liberate you. He liberates people. We are not slaves to our sin because of what he has done on the cross. Another promise we get to look forward is this. There are no more lone wolves in the kingdom of God. You're not alone, and you're not the one that needs to create a stage and be the sole person performing in your life. And I know culture teaches that. You need to get the most followers. You need to get the most likes. You need to be the center of attention. But in God's kingdom, the stage is already set. What pressure is taken off by that? That you don't have to make something of yourself? I spent some time ministering and counseling a teen who was suicidal and wanted to take his life. And the reason why he wanted to take his life, he was tired of performing. He was tired of being the cool guy that everybody looked up to and he had to say the right things. Um, He tried to do the right things all the time. He had to have the perfect type of social media following and it's just exhausting to him. So he decided it would be easier. He was a Christian, and in his mindset, he thought it would be easier to be with Jesus than it was to keep up this act. We spent some time just kind of going through his life, got him off social media, let's take a break. Now he's walking with the Lord in a, a, good, a good mind frame, a set of mind, or his good, a good, he's walking with the Lord really well right now. His mind is, is okay his heart is okay, and he is resting well. But I walked away from that whole situation and thought, hey, how many of us who are sitting in, in at Calvary Young Adults feel the same way? How many of us are just tired of trying to have to perform? It's okay. It's okay not to be the center of attention. Because for us, Jesus takes center stage. I love that. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are, uh, you are the body of Christ 
and each one of you are a part of it. Each of us make up a certain part of the body of Christ. Each of us are important. None of us are, are the most important. All of us have a part to play, including me. I'm not the center of attention in this ministry. Jesus is. Another promise you get to look forward to as you do life inside the church as a part of the body of Christ, as a called out one, is you've been created to shine. And not shine as in promoting yourself, allowing Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the, th the plans that he has for you in your life, shine. So people ask you questions and are drawn to the gospel. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You, you tonight, you are. When you came in here, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, God's special possession. A lot of us don't understand how special we are to the King of Kings. We are very special to him. Our decisions matter. They matter to him. He looks at us. He wants the best for our lives. He says, you are uh, God's special possession, Peter's writing to the church, that you may do something, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. And I'm not talking about between the hours or the, the minutes between 7.30 and 7.45 where we declare the praises of God. I'm talking about every single day, a royal priesthood created by God to tell people of his wonderful grace. Declaring his praises of what he is doing. That's what we are doing. If you are in Christ, you are a child of God created by God himself. He knew your life. He knows your struggles, your hurts. He knows your heartaches, even right now. Even as you were being created in the womb, he knew. He called you out of your selfish desires, and some of us are still there. We're still in our selfish desires, and that's okay. And I say that's okay as in I'm not excusing a sin-lived life, but I am saying that God in his mercy provides grace for us to grow and say no to ungodly desires. So some of us are still learning how to do that. Some of us are still struggling with certain sins. But please know this, God gives us the grace and mercy and everything needed to turn from them. You're not alone in this. You're part of a body who is praying for you, with you, and cheering you on. You can do this. God will do this in you. And not only has God saved you, but he has adopted you into his family, sealing you with the Holy Spirit, and making your identity found in Christ. He even promises to help you grow. You see, the elect will never fall away because we have been given new life, a new heart, and a new mind. We can, though, live in disobedience of God, but the elect can never live in disassociation with God. When God brings you into his family, he does not kick you out, even when you fail. So what do we do? Well, step one, our identity in Christ is the foundational and vital first step to understanding our purpose. A lot of us struggle with purpose. What am I called to do? If you're struggling with purpose, ask the question, am I in Christ? You see, if you are confused with your identity in Christ, you will battle in your mind and your flesh. You will crave the things of the world, and you need to remind yourself, a new mind, a new heart, a new opportunity, a new adventure. Even right now, it's not too late. Even tonight, it's not too late. Some of us need to be reminded of that tonight. 
As you were coming in here, we were praying for you earlier. We were praying that God would move in such a powerful way, that God would renew minds and renew hearts, and, and people would renew their commitment to the things of God. So understanding our identity is the first step. The second step is our purpose. And our purpose is not to be the best. Our purpose is to live in Christ. Our purpose is in Christ. And when you understand your identity in Christ, then you can act out your purpose. See, the Holy Spirit gives each of you a gift to be used in the church. We talked about that last week. And he will help you grow well in Jesus. Figuring out what that gift is, what that purpose is, figuring out how to bring praise to God is your next step. We call this progressive sanctification. Big theological terms. Just means over time, in obedience to the Holy Spirit and to God's word, you change. And you become more and more like Christ. You're turning away from sin. You're turning away from situations that cause sin. And you're looking for areas to bring glory and honor to Jesus. And a lot of us are on that path right now, growing leaps and bounds. And as your pastor, I see it. I want to encourage you tonight. Keep keep going. You're doing a good job at this. And if you mess up, fess up, run to the cross of Christ quickly, ask God to forgive you and to change your ways. See, 1 Corinthians 12 says this, there are all different kinds of gifts, but there's the same spirit who gives them. There are different kinds of works to be done for him, but the work is for the same Lord. We're all on the same team working for the same goal. There are different ways of doing his work, but it is the same God who uses all these ways in all the people. The Holy Spirit works in each person in one way or another for the good of all. So you doing your part is for the good of others. One person is given the gift of teaching, words of wisdom. Another person is given the gift of teaching uh, what is learned and known. These gifts are by the same Holy Spirit. One person receives the gift of faith. Another person receives the gift of healing. These gifts are given by the same Holy Spirit. One person is given the gift of, of doing powerful works. Another person is given the gift of speaking God's word. Another person is given the gift of telling the difference between the Holy Spirit and false spirits. And another person is given the gift of speaking in special sounds or words. Another person is given the gift of telling what these special sounds and words mean. But it is the same Holy Spirit, I love this, the same God who does all these things. He gives to each person as he wants to give, he gets to decide. Isn't that a great thing? You're special. And I'm not just trying to like pat you on the back and like, hey, you're special. You're one of the special ones. No, you really are special to God. And you really have purpose. And you really have work to do. And a lot of us are wasting a lot of time. So how do we get to action in the kingdom? And how do you know if you're called to be a citizen in the kingdom of God? That's a great question. See, I've never heard the church offer residence paperwork. You don't come to the office of the church and ask, uh, uh, where's the, where do I give my, uh, my uh, passport? There's nobody, at the front, there's nobody at the front coming in and stamping your passport to see if that you're a citizen to come in. There are no custom border patrol guards checking kingdom citizens. So how do you know if, if you are a part of a church that is called into kingdom action? Well, he helps us to know our purposes within the kingdom with three actions. He wakes us up, he shakes us up, and God forbid he breaks us up. So let's jump into these. The first step for us to understand if we're part of the kingdom of God, called to be a part of kingdom participation, is the wake up. 
People outside the grace of God are people who are asleep to things of God. They are the people who are asleep to the things of God. The word of God is folly to those who do not believe. It doesn't make any sense to them. They open up their Bibles and they hear sermons and nothing. They'll come in and they'll be a part of the church, they'll be a part of the group, but they're never really understanding what's going on. They have a Bible, but they don't know how to read it. And when they do read it, it doesn't make sense, so they give up on it and close it. These people are asleep. They can, they can participate, but they struggle with the things of God. These people do really well in the community of God because they know how to serve and they know how to act, but really, they struggle. They serve, and they're light, but the sermons just don't click. And the fight against temptation is always a major war. It's a major battle all the time. And they have a desire to complain to other Christians who are not asleep in God. These other Christians will say, do you do your Bible studies? Do you read your word? Come and serve. But all that great advice is only for the children of God who are awake in Christ. See, you need to be awake to walk and to walk with purpose. Sleepwalking in the kingdom of God leads you nowhere. Man, if you are here and you are struggling with the things of God, you might not be awake to the things of God. You may be just going through the actions of church, and your heart is really not sold out for the Lord. So the wake up is experiencing the wake. God wakes us up. So step one, the wake up is experiencing what God has in store. Because someone asleep to God is dead. They are dead to the holy things to God, of God. They live without the Spirit. They function as a human, made in the image of God, but the Holy Spirit is not in their lives, leading and guiding. See, the first step for us is the wake-up call, or what we would call the effectual call in, theolo in theological terms. See, the call of the gospel is both general and particular. The general call of the gospel is preached, and it goes out to everyone, while the particular call is, is directed at the inward spiritual call of God to the elect that is simultaneously with regeneration. Some more big words, I'm going to explain them. And, those God, and though all, all those God has chosen in eternity are called particularly by God. And this call is called the effectual, and it has power, and it has outcome every time. Through the call of God, a sinner's heart is regenerated, and their will is liberated. Because of this, the effectual call logically precedes conversion, the exercising of faith in Christ. All those who are called in this way will be justified and ultimately at the end of our lives will be glorified and all the glory goes to God who works this change out in us by our call. So what I'm trying to explain is there's this moment when you may have experienced it, maybe you haven't yet, but you may be in a church service, you may be on the street, and God's people are speaking. And God's people are testifying. And God's people are telling you about the gospel. And something in your life, just, it just clicks. Your ears start to perk up. Your heart starts to pull you in. I remember the first time this happened to me. I was holding my son, 21 years old, coming to church, sitting in the back. The pastor was preaching about grace, undeserved favor or merit. My life was a mess. And he was talking about this free gift that you do not deserve, but God gives it to you, and he calls it grace. And I remember sitting at the very back on the left side of the room, and while the preacher was preaching, I walked right up. 
So it's just like Shania just walking right up right now, just looking at me going, I don't know what to do. Something's going on. That's exactly what I did in the middle of the service. Preacher looking down at me like, bro, this is not the time for this. <laughs> a deacon comes. I remember I sat like right here in the church and they explained the gospel to me. The effectual call came on that Sunday morning. It broke my heart. It moved me so much that I got out of my seat and I said, I need to figure this out. And that was the day my heart was changed. See, the call goes out by the preaching of God's word. That's why we need good, solid Bible teachers sharing the truth, sharing all of the truth, the hard stuff and the good stuff, so people can hear the call. See, the call goes out and the heart receives it. So maybe to you, maybe for you, it's already happened. You know that moment. You know that moment when God was, was just working on your life. The Holy Spirit just timed it right. And you were in, in a sermon or wherever you were, maybe with your mom or dad by your bed, and God just called you into his kingdom. But maybe you haven't experienced that yet. And maybe, maybe God is, is preparing your heart. Maybe you're here in this season and you're hearing these words and you're hearing these things that we're saying about make it right and make it true and put some effort into it and actually press in. And maybe God is setting it up for you in this season. But Satan is working just alongside of, of all the goodness too and your life's kind of falling apart and you don't really want to go to church and this COVID thing is making you, making you stressed. So you have this war, this battle. I want to tell you, don't give up. If you're there, come. Keep coming. Come on Sunday. Come with your heart open and your hands open and your mind open, ready to receive what God does and what God can do. Listen to this from his word in Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, I will give you a new heart. He says, I will put a new spirit in you and I will remove from you this heart of stone, this heart of flesh, or this, yeah, and give you a heart of flesh. See, he'll take out this heart of stone where the word of God just keeps bouncing off and he'll give you this flesh where it will just, this heart of flesh where it will just absorb and you'll start to be under, you'll start to understand. You come alive. You start to want to be close to the things of God. The things of God are not folly anymore. They don't sound stupid. They're actually intriguing. For some reason, you want to obey him. And you want to grow, and then eventually out of that you want to say, hey, I want to change my life, I want to serve God, I want to make different choices in my life. This is called the wake up. It's beautiful. And when we see brothers and sisters waking up all around us, we should be freaking out. And we try to calm down for each other, but we should be excited. We should be cheering them on and saying, welcome to the kingdom, brother, welcome to the kingdom, sister, your life is going to be amazing. It's going to be hard. Life in Christ is not easy. So if you're here and you're hearing this and it sounds amazing, let me tell you right now, it is a hard journey, but it's worth it. It's worth doing life with Christ. You come alive. See, the wake up has the gospel call and including it after, just shortly after something called the regeneration, which is this new creation. You get the great counselor He's a guide to you. He's the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, actually begins to dwell in you and help you make better choices. With the wake up, you are alive. You're learning. You're growing. You're obeying. You're joining in on communion. And you're baptized. You publicly 
stand before other believers and say, hey, I'm in Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power to save. It saved me. I want to tell you that each and every week. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'll tell you here and I'll tell you out on the street. It saved me. It changed my whole life. It will change yours too. Don't be ashamed of God. Don't be ashamed of his word. Preach it faithfully. Preach it in love. Tell people the truth and leave the results up to God. This is called the wake up. And I pray that God's people would wake up. That we would wake up and we would take serious the things of God because I believe that God has lots of work for us to do. Lots of things that we can be doing together. And I believe, here's a little secret, I believe we're in the midst of it right now. I actually believe that. There's something different about our young adult ministry. I came back from sabbatical. I came back from lockdown. And there's something completely different about the people that we are doing life with. It's like everything just got real serious. Everybody was just like, hey, we're adults now. Like, I'm an adult. You're an adult. We have to do adult things. Like, let's do those. Like, I haven't had anyone complain to me, like, why aren't we playing any games? Like, nobody has told me that. People are just like, hey, we're like, we're like serious right now, aren't we? We're like, we're like reading the Bible. Like, yeah. Things just got serious. And I believe that God is just doing something. He's doing something in you, he's doing something in me, he's doing something in us, and together, he's waking us up. And I believe God's going to continue to save people. Like, I'm talking Acts 29, or the church going out. Acts only has 28 chapters, but we are the 29th chapter. We're living it out. We're listening to God, we're building churches, we're building people. God's word is not being pushed into a corner, it's actually being liberated because you're speaking it to each other. And you've got to keep doing it. That's called the shake-up, or the wake-up. The second thing that we need to know and understand for God, God's people inside the kingdom is something called the shake-up. That's the second thing. When God calls his church into kingdom participation, sometimes he does it by the shake-up. Sometimes God's great church sits idle. You ever notice that? Like God has these amazing people, and they're just in the churches, and they're not really doing anything. They're not doing anything. We can get on the internet. We can look on the news. We can look to the churches in our city. Get the phone book. The other day, we had a phone book delivered to our house. Did any of you get a phone book? Like, there's like seven of us. We're like, what is this? My, my kids were like, what is this? Like, why is it like a book? Like, my daughter was completely like, why don't we just look on the internet? Like, why, what is this? Like, we could open the book, the phone book, and actually search churches. And like how many of those churches, not to hate on our brothers and sisters, that's not what I'm doing, but how many of God's great churches are sitting idle? We have churches that are all about fighting for the culture. And some of these churches have these like subdivisions within the body, and they're not working together. They're actually working against each other inside the church. So let me flesh this out. You can be a part of the kingdom of God and you can be a part of a social group that helps bring attention to a cause. But if you are a part of a church that's part of a social movement, you need to ask a few questions. I think it's just wise for you to do that. And here are some questions. Does this subgroup bring honor and glory to Christ? So if you're part of a movement within a church, 
that is part of a social justice movement is the actions and the words that they're saying bringing honor and glory to Christ. That's one of the things you need to ask. Is that group doing all it can to do good and be good in speech and action? Here's another question. Is that group leading people to Christ and growing them in discipleship? If a church is part of a social justice movement and nobody is growing in the likeness of Christ, that's a red flag. You know, if it fails at any level of those questions, it's not a kingdom initiative. It's actually dangerous. You need to make sure that you are a part of a body, part of a church, and actively using your gifts in a place that is all about Jesus all the time. And when you think about Jesus, Jesus was about liberation. Jesus was about helping people. Jesus was about loving people. Jesus was all about freeing people. See, a church that is firm on social justice movement without Christ is not a kingdom church because our Lord and our Savior was about freedom from evil and injustice and liberty. But many people do things in the name of Christ that are actually evil, and we have a shady past. And a lot of churches don't want to talk about our shady past, but there's been a lot of people from the history of the church that have gone out and done things in the name of Jesus that have hurt people. Look at the Crusades. There are many different things. You want to make sure that you are a part of a church that's honoring Christ in everything that they are doing, that is truthful and biblical, that what they're doing is found in the Word of God. And if you're not a part of that, run away. If they're not doing that, get out of there. Just go. Go to another place. And I wonder what God thinks from heaven of these churches. I wonder. So God looks down a church and he sees two options. He sees, A, a church trying to grow in grace, a church that's not perfect. Because when you think about it, a church is a bunch of broken people. Like in this room, any of y'all perfect? Nobody's throwing their hand up and running to the front and doing a little dance. I'm perfect. We're all struggling. We're all working on different things in our lives. We're all moving at different paces. We're all learning. So God looks down and he sees one church that is growing in grace, doing all it can, all the good it can. They're trying to help brothers and sisters. They're trying to make disciples. They're having honest talks. They're having hard talks with each other. And people are starting to use their gifts. And that church, when you look around, you can see a significant difference in the spiritual lives of the people. They're not the same from one season to the next because they're growing. So that's one church. And then there's another church, the church that is fractured. It has lots of people. It has side causes. People are not using their gifts. They come to fellowship or service when it suits them. They complain about the church. And when they're complaining about the church, they're literally complaining about their brothers and sisters that they will spend eternity with. So I ask myself, what do you think God sees when he looks at our group? Does he see church A? Or does he see church B? I don't want you to answer that. 
I just want us to do life. I want us to be honest to God. I want us to participate in the things of God. I want us as the church of God to use our gifts, how we're gifted. We heard about where all different giftings are. But I've asked that question as the pastor of this ministry. What does God see when he looks at us? I hope when he's searching the whole earth looking for hearts that are sold out for him, he stops at 301 Rosalind Road. And he looks in and he, he bends his ear down and he hears his kids praising and talking, encouraging and exhorting each other. Sometimes God will shake up the people. He will shake up the church to maximize the people's potential for the kingdom. And God does this in two ways, through trial and through revival. Sometimes God will look at a church and, and see that it's not doing what it needs to be doing, and he'll send these two things. He'll send trial or he will send revival. But in the end, things change. So through trial, there's heartache and pain. And what that does, it causes the church and the individual inside the church, so speaking for the whole church, but also for the individual person, to rethink its value and theology. This process helps us to get a, a, a deeper understanding, helps us to have a, a, a deeper seeking and searching for the things of God. The people who are going through trial, they draw close to God, and God draws close to them. Trial done the right way always brings people closer to God. I just, I'm in the midst of one. I, I am like daily struggling. And I see God everywhere. I see his glory. I see his majesty. I see his hope. I see his presence. I see his promise. And daily I struggle in this trial. So if you are in a trial, don't run around and say why, but change that to where. Where are you, God? And he'll speak to you. He'll say, I'm right here. My son, my daughter, I didn't leave you. You're part of my family. I'm with you in this. And you begin to turn your gaze up, remember? Look up and live. So sometimes God will take us through a trial to reevaluate, realign our values and theology. And then sometimes, I'm praying we see more of this, God brings us through revival, a stirring within the hearts of the people, a stirring that begins to happen. People begin to sing songs. They begin to sing new songs. Praise starts to happen. Deeds start to happen. Words are starting to be used. And the people are encouraged. The people are pressing in. They're, they're, just, they're just joyous. And God begins to rapidly bring change into a broken system. Things start to happen. God's name begins to be highly exalted. Highly exalted. Not just God is great like we began to praise his name. And during revival, the personal preference of, hey, I'm really important, that goes out the window. And we all start to pitch in. We all start to serve. We all start to exercise our gifts. 
all for the glory of God. And God in the midst just starts to dwell within his people. Like that's a promise from the word of God, that God in his, when we praise God, he dwells within that. Like I, I don't know about you, but I want that here. Like I'm asking Pastor Jordan, like that second song that you sang tonight, bro, throw that back in the mix. He gave me the thumbs up. Like that song was rich with theology. It was rich with promise. It's a revival song. It's talking about the truth of what Jesus has done for us, what he's going to do, and what we're called to do. And I want us to be singing that. That was the song when I said, it's great to just stop and listen. I didn't even know that song. We didn't know that song. But I was listening and you were singing it. I pray we learn that song. And I pray that song is on our hearts. And that revival will begin to break out in the midst. And God would add to the church daily those who were being saved. He does a shake-up through trial and through revival. And the last thing he does, and God forbid, is the breakup. The third thing God does when he calls a church into kingdom participation is sometimes there's a breakup. Sometimes he removes the people that are hurting the church. Sometimes people are with us for a season and then they're not with us again. And sometimes that's because of their own personal choice and other times it's because of God's personal choice. And I don't want people to come into the church and then leave. I want people to come into the church and find truth and grace and mercy and and receive the effectual call and wake up to the things of God. But sometimes people come into the church and they're not for that. They're not about God. They're not with God. They're not about God. And sometimes God takes them out. That's why we need to make sure we're listening and we're pressing in. We need to make sure that we're really called and we're really using our gifts and we're not just playing games with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God wakes us up Sometimes God shakes us up, and God forbid, God breaks us up. And sometimes God will break up a church that is doing nothing for his namesake except hindering his glory. I don't want to see that, but it's Bible, it's biblical. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels will be with him. He will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right. He will put the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to drink. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and what did you do? You invited me in. I needed clothes, and you gave me clothes. You clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and then you came to see me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or feed you, or thirsty, or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger, or invite you in? How how could we do that? Think about that. I love this question. When did we do these things? When did you need clothes? And when did we give them to you? When did we see you sick? Jesus, when were you in prison? 
And when did I visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you do for the least of these brothers or sisters, you did for me. You did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing. I was a stranger, you did nothing. You didn't invite me in. I needed clothes, you did nothing. You did nothing with the clothes. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see this? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He said, truly I tell you, whenever you did not for do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And then, the breakup. They will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Matthew 3.12, he says, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear, clear his threshing floor and he will gather his wheat into the barn and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is scary. Sometimes God will break it up. We need to take serious the things of God. His message is very clear, it is very serious, and it's for us now. And some of us need to wake up, some of us need to shake up before there's a breakup. This is a pretty serious message. And I believe that God has given it to the church, he's at least given it to us as the young adult group, and I believe that we will take it serious. And we will grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ. We will honor the Holy Spirit. Because God gives new hearts. And we are reminded that we are made in the image of God. And he has given us purpose. And we are called into his kingdom. We are actually gifted for his kingdom. And he has promised to provide for us in the kingdom. On earth as it is in heaven. Once we understand purpose and identity. We will be used by God. We will be brought to the mission. And we only have one mission given to us by Jesus. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you are doing any other mission, you're on a different mission from Jesus. If the church is idle, he brings trials, heartaches, and sometimes he even tests us to see if we will work together and if we will work out our issues if we will grow together and submit to his spirit. He'll actually see if we will call upon the Lord in prayer, gather and re-examine our hearts, looking for pockets of sins and habits to confess. Habits of sin to confess. Sometimes he will test us to do, see if we will do just that very thing. We see it in the Testaments, the old and new, that their leaders would gather the people and say, hey, we sinned. We're sinners. We need to repent. Whole nations were called to repent. And sometimes God does that to churches. Sometimes he brings revival. I'm praying for revival. One body, one spirit, one mission with many people working for God. Some of us are sold out to Christ. Others are on a mission to hurt and hinder. 
They're on a different agenda. And I pray God would help us to know and understand who we can love with all of our hearts and who we can trust. And I pray God would call you, that he would wake you up, that he would shake you up through trial and revival, and that he would never cast you aside. Because one day we will stand in the glorious new Jerusalem together. We talk about this big meal that we have, and I often think about the church, you. I often think about you. And there's going to be a moment that we're going to look down that table. (laughs) We're going to see each other at the table. We're going to look at each other while we're eating. And Jesus is at the table. And we're going to remember these moments. We're going to remember those moments where we're ushering each other to draw closer to Christ because it's worth it. We're going to look down at that table and we're going to say, isn't this awesome? Lily's probably going to be even louder in heaven. And I'm going to love it. I've already asked Jesus to put me by Lily. We're going to do heaven awesome. But it's coming for us, church. We got a glorious God. We got a wonderful spirit. God is moving us. He's going to shake us up. We got to trust in him. So that is my prayer for us. I pray God would wake us up. I pray God would shake us up. And that we would do the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. Let me pray for us. God, just thank you for your grace tonight. God, thank you for helping me get through this sermon. And God, I know there are moments in this sermon that are unclear, and, and God, I just pray that you would, you would just make it clear for us, that we would ponder this, that we would think about this. God, that we would examine our lives. And God, I pray that you would remove anything that would be a distraction to your kingdom from what I said because this is not about me. God, we love you, and we just thank you that you have called us out of darkness into marvelous light, that you have given us a heart of flesh to receive the things of God, that you have given us regeneration. God, that you have justified us, that you have brought us on a journey to change us in the likeness of your son. God, we are excited for that journey. And I know lots of people are hurting and lots of people are struggling, and I just want to say there is hope in you. So God, help us press in this week as we come together as the church on Sunday to celebrate communion, I pray the church would come out. I pray we would do that together. We would thank you for the things that you have done. God, I pray that you would bless the people as they give thanks to you over the weekend as they gather with their families. And God, just thank you for this space that we can come into. Thank you that we can preach the word of God and thank you that we can open up our hearts and our minds and receive from you. And I pray that your word would do a mighty work in our hearts and in our lives. For your namesake and for your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you live in the Durham region, we'd love to have you join us for our Thursday night gathering. For more information and registration links, check out the Facebook or Instagram pages at CalvaryBC, Oshawa, YA, or website, www.calvary.on.ca. Thanks for listening today. Until next time, blessings. Blessings.